everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Women in Tech SEO podcast. I'm Marie Jabali, and I'm the founder of Women in Tech SEO, and I am your host today. Today's episode is all about running and scaling an agency, and joining me is the brilliant Laura Hogan, who is the founder of Sweet Digital. Hey, Laura. Hey, are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. This season is sponsored by Screaming Frog. Screaming Frog developed crawling and log file analysis software for the SEO industry and wanted to support the Women in Tech SEO podcast as listeners to the show. They've just released version 16 of their SEO Spider software, which includes improved JavaScript crawling to help you identify dependencies such as JavaScript content and links, automated crawl reports for Data Studio integration, advanced search and filtering, and the app is now available in Spanish, French, German, and Italian. You can check out the latest version at Screaming Frog's website, screamingfrog.co.uk. Yeah, thank you so much for joining. I'm really, really excited about today's episode. Um, and we've worked together before through Women in Tech SEO initiatives. So thank you for jumping on the podcast with us. Not a problem. Hopefully I can give some useful information to people. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Can you give a little bit of an overview about yourself and what you do and everything we want to know about Sweet Digital? Yeah, so I launched Sweet um, a couple, two, two and a half, three years ago now. Um, it started just me in my kitchen with my dog um, and we're at just under 10 people today. Um, so we've had some really lovely growth over the last couple of years. We're pretty much a full service digital marketing agency. Um and we have team members in the UK. One of our team members moved to Spain last year. And then we've got a um, team in South Africa as well. And basically anybody who's really good, who wants a role, we don't really care where you live. <laughs> Which is oh, I brilliant. Love that. Yeah, it's so, so much fun. I remember a few, like, I think maybe it was right before COVID and you were definitely much smaller then. How was COVID for you, like with the agency growth and how did that go? I think like every agency when it first hit and um, like the UK closed down, I, I, there were definitely a few days of tears and uh, a lot of panicking initially um, about what might happen. But you know what? I just put my big girl pants on and we knuckled down. Um, there was only three of us in the company at the time that COVID first hit um, and we just knuckled. I knuckled down, I really worked on the sales, really worked on the partnerships that we had and really worked on, you know, making sure that we retained the client base that we did have. Um, When COVID hit, our biggest clients were in like leisure and hospitality and travel, which were probably like the hardest hit industries. Yeah. But we we just supported our clients. I think that was the key thing. You know, nobody cancelled a contract with us. Um, which we're so fortunate of, you know, we worked with them to scale down their retainers for a bit um, and to just be there as that support for them. And obviously in the, in the meantime, we were working to bring on new clients because one of the things that we found was that companies that, that weren't online pre-COVID really kind of realised that they needed to get online quickly and start moving during COVID. So um, we started working with a lot of clients that wanted to start being direct consumer that previously hadn't been. So overall, we've been really fortunate. You know, we've we've grown phenomenally in the last 
year, 18 months. And we didn't have a client leave us with COVID, which is unbelievable, really. We were so fortunate in that in that respect. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. And before you started your own agency, what did you used to do before that? I've been in-house and agency side um, prior to starting my own. So I did a degree in journalism and that kind of is what led me into into SEO, like my first job after uni was very, it was actually really old school link building. It was very much about um, working with bloggers to get product reviews. It was so much fun. And then um, as part of that, I was writing a lot and learned what SEO was. I'd never heard of it when I was in uni um, and then learned it, learned it on the go. And how did you make that decision? Like, you know, you, you have a, a stable job, a full-time job, and then you decide actually, no, you know what? I want to start my own thing. I'd had a lot of change in, in kind of the six, six to eight months leading up to that decision. Um, a lot of change in my personal life and just made me kind of review everything in that was going on in my life you know I had a a really long-term relationship end um I had to sell the house that I was living in with my ex as part of that and it was almost like everything in my life was starting afresh so it just made me reassess everything and I went you know what if I'm ever gonna do it now is probably the time to do it yeah I love that you know sometimes just yeah that change is, is is much needed and I'm really glad you made that decision because it looks like it's working out really really well you know compared to if you were still doing your typical nine to five yeah 100 percent. it's the best decision I've ever made I think maybe I should probably thank my ex for cheating on me <laughs> oh so I mean we're here today to talk about like all things running and scaling an agency um, and I, I just want to start off by kind of understanding a little bit more about, you know, what is the aim of scaling an agency? Because there are some people who they want to start their own thing, but they don't think too much about growing it or scaling it. And they think about it being continuing to be like a one woman show. So what's the difference between that and going ahead and thinking about let's actually scale it? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to what you want to achieve. So are you building something because you want to sell it in a few years time are you building something because you want a bit of a lifestyle agency where you're not as hugely involved in it and you know it's 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 very team based and you kind of dip in and out or are you building something that you literally eat sleep and breathe where you're heavily involved in everything it's you know it's your job as well as think of it and you're building it to have just and the life that you that you want from it um and I think that's probably one of the first decisions people have to make when they know what they want to do with it like I knew that work-life balance wasn't something that was important to me like I don't have children um you know it's, it's me and my other half in the house you know we it wasn't something that was hugely important to me so I wanted to be involved in every single thing in the agency and that's like my plan going forward um so I think it's knowing what you want from it it kind of depends then on how on how you build from there yeah that makes a lot of sense definitely like starting off by thinking that and of course it can be something that changes down the line right mm, yeah a hundred percent and it, it kind of just gives you your, your starting point because um if you're if you're building to sell Odds are you might start 
front loading and bring team members in really quickly um, in, into the agency. Whereas if you're building for something that's got longevity, you know, the longevity of it and sustainability of it over time and you don't intend on selling it, you're probably more likely to be on your own for a longer period of time. And then when it gets to the point that actually you're completely at capacity and you then need to bring people in. Um, and you can't, I mean, COVID, COVID shown us that you can't really predict things 100%. So the reason that you're doing it and how you want to scale will definitely and can change. Yeah. And at what point did you make the decision that, you know, I need to start hiring people in, I need to start growing a team? It's very numbers based. Like I really, I, I kind of live, live in the numbers a little bit. Um, so I was flat out myself and we, I was using two or three freelancers as well to support with work. Um, and I kind of, it was very much looking at the, at the bottom line so you know you need to know what are you billing out what expenses do you have in the company you know your tools um any freelancer salaries that you do in your own salary all that kind of information and then what your bottom line is but also understanding from a client point of view have you got anybody leaving in the next three to six months what's your pipeline like and when when you can confidently go you know okay I'm absolutely maxed out. My client retention's really strong. I don't have any clients going in the next few months. We've got a really good pipeline. We're confident that, you know, 75, 80% of that's going to close. Then it can, then you can look and it can become the time to bring somebody on, particularly if you're already using freelancers at that point, because it might be more cost effective for you to bring somebody in um, full time rather than using freelancers too it's a it's a it's a fine line and I think you just have to remember that you know you're responsible for that person's salary if you bring them on so you need to be confident that you're not going to be bringing somebody on and then letting them go in a couple of months time because that's that's the last thing anybody wants to do yeah definitely and how have you found uh, setting up a remote working team it's been it's been quite easy in the team side of things and um we've been so fortunate in the I actually have quite a rigorous recruitment process um, and I always pay people to do some work as part of the recruitment process um, just to kind of, you know, make sure people can do what they say that they do because I think it's very easy to pretend that you know what you're talking about with SEO and PR and PPC but actually physically doing it um, is when you kind of see whether people can do what they say. Um, but we've we've just been so fortunate in finding such lovely team members like our first team member um Becca I'd actually worked with before and knew before and Becca was freelancing for us and then uh she agreed to come on full-time um so that was so that was brilliant like we already had a relationship there um but every everybody else on the team you know we've just followed the same recruitment process in advertising the role and putting it on boards like yours and boards like the remoters board as well and people have applied people have applied through there um, but it's very much about you know everybody being being competent and comfortable in what they're saying that they can do but also just being a, a nice person I love the fact that you pay people for you know interview tasks and think it just makes so much sense um, you see a lot of people who 
number one, the interview might feel very, very theoretical, in which case, you know, it's difficult to gauge whether someone can do something. But then mm-hmm. secondly, you know, there are some interviews where people are expecting these massive, massive audits. And it's like, you know, to do it for free as a candidate is very, very difficult. Yeah, 100%. You have to be respectful of everybody's time. And also, from my point of view as well, you know, if you're being paid to do the task, you know, I kind of expect people to put 100% into it. Whereas if they're not being paid for it, they might not put as much effort into it because they're not being paid. You know, we want to see exactly what you can do with it. But you know, you should always respect people's time and and um, pay them for it accordingly. And how do you go about, you know, ensuring that you can retain your team members? Uh, what kind of uh, things do you focus on from a culture perspective? The culture side of things is a little bit harder when you're remote, um, you know, because everybody's not in the office together. I think sometimes it probably can be diff- more difficult to build up really close bonds as a team. Um, but we we share a lot of stories on, on, on Slack and things like that. And we're always hearing funny things that are going on in each other's lives, um, which is nice, but it's almost that at the same time as a team, we're not living in each other's pockets and we're not so close that it's that there's going to be friction. So I think it's a you can get a really nice balance being remote that you don't have that toxic-esque culture of feeling like if you're not going for drinks with the team that you're not going to be part of things or selected for things. But we also talk to each other every day so we know what's going on in each other's lives yeah definitely sounds like you know there's a mixture of pros and cons there when it comes Mm. to setting up a a team remotely but at the same time I'm guessing you know with COVID you were already prepared right whereas with a lot of other companies you had to all of a sudden completely shift things it was more difficult for them yeah yeah so we we were doing it before it was cool um to to be remote um but you know whoever applies for the role they know up front that that's what it is and it is a remote role and you know people come into it knowing knowing what to expect from it so let's talk a little bit about the sales and business development side is this something that you fully um, look after or do you have other people in the team who also help you with this how what's the process like for you I do have a team member that helps with it um, but then I'm involved in all the sales processes as well Um, And I think one of the biggest things that you learn when it's your own business is that you can say no to work. Uh, It pains me to do it. I don't don't like saying no to to clients, but if it's not going to be a good fit for you and it's not going to be a good fit for them, sometimes it's best to just say no and to walk away from it. Um, We're also really fortunate in that we spent a I spent an awful lot of time at the start building up referral partnerships with other agencies and larger agencies. So we do get a lot of our business through referral as well as through organic leads. Um, so it's quite it's quite a smooth process actually. We you know we're always keeping track of our pipeline and what we've got coming in and when when people are starting. And we don't do too much project work, which makes it easier to to kind of keep track of that. Um, because it's retained work but we put much more focus on retention than sales because it's it's 10 times easier to retain a client than it is to try and win a new client um so you know we've we've worked really hard to have a strong really strong client retention 
um, across across the company. And, you know, that's what keeps us ticking. And in general, you know, when I think with a lot of people who are starting to scale their agency or even starting out their own agency, one of the first questions they tend to have is, oh, how do we decide on pricing? You know, do we, mm. do we charge things by the hour, by the day, by the value it provides? How do you go about doing that? We do a day, right, to keep it easy and to keep it simple. Um, I think pricing is such a divisive topic in that you, you want to make sure you're paid for your expertise, you know, and you want to make sure that, you know, everybody on our team, and it will always be the case that because we are remote and have been, um, I don't hire grads in. And that's just because we don't have the facility to train them properly. You know, if you came to us with no, with with next to no knowledge, I wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be able to get you up to scratch. Um, so we've always gone down the route of hiring people with between three and five years of experience to bring in, because so that they don't need that training. So you know, with having that expertise, does come a bit of a cost. But then on the flip of that, we don't have huge huge overheads. You know, we don't have a fancy office in the city centre and things like that. Um, so I think I honestly think you just have to be realistic with your pricing I think look you know 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 what your competitors are charging know what your value is and what your worth is but also don't don't be crazy with it you know you you should know what you want your profit margin to be and where, where you'd like it to be when you when you take all your costs off um, so I think I think you just you just need to be realistic with it and sometimes I think in in digital we're we're probably um a little bit unrealistic with what with what we want to charge early on and were there certain things uh, whether it's related to your clients or your team that you feel like you could have done differently like if you would go back you know two to three years in the past is there anything that you would have liked to have done differently back then I think we could have bought team members on earlier like I I was running like 60 hour weeks I'm myself working 60 hour weeks before bringing people on so I probably could have brought people on a little bit sooner um to support with things um and there's a, there's always gonna be the odd client that you think you know oh, maybe we could have kept them if or there's people that you've turned away that you've gone oh maybe we could maybe we could have worked with that one maybe we could have made it work um but I always try not to live too far too far in the past and just think about you know what what's going on now and what what can you change now or impact now that's going to make a difference yeah that definitely makes sense and when it comes to saying no like I can completely understand the idea of saying no to you know potential clients that you might take on but have there been circumstances before or what's your advice in general for you know making the decision to stop working with certain clients I think if, if it's not work if if you find that when you get an email from that client you, you you're huffing or you're rolling your eyes, or you just don't want to deal with it, it's probably a sign that it might not be the right partnership. Um, it may be your fault, you know, it's it's not always the client's fault. Sometimes people just don't job and don't work well together. And it's knowing when to call time on it, you know, you have to think about, you have to think about the money, partly, you know, they, they are part of the retainer, they are part of your, uh, of, of your lines, but is it worth it? If it's not worth it, then then stop it. If you're going to be happier by not working with that person, stop it. But know that you need to put a concerted effort into to fill the void that they're going to leave in, in 
in the figures. Yeah, it's such a difficult decision, right? It's yeah. not something that you can, yeah, just e- easily decide. You'd have to factor in so many things with it. Yeah, it's so tough. There's probably only been like two clients in in the whole time that we've parted ways with because we just didn't feel that it was it, it was the right relationship. And the one I probably could have cut sooner than we did. Um, but I, I don't I'm, I don't like things ending and you know you, you always want to try and make something work if you can um and I just I feel like I tried everything I possibly could and it, and it just still wasn't working yeah and when it comes to you know there's so many agencies right now I can imagine how competitive it is what do you feel would make an agency different from the other that's probably you know what that's the toughest thing I think because you're right at the end of the day we all kind of do the same thing you know I'll be in different ways and you know people use different methods of things and there's different ways that we promote ourselves or you know different angles that we want to use um which is where I think your relationships come in a lot and that's how you can make your agency kind of stand out from the from the others we put a real concerted effort into building really strong relationships with our clients and that is something that we you know use to help us stand out from others when we're when we're talking with potential clients um you you see I think if you read like 10 20 agency websites you probably see a lot of the same words you know transparent honest and results driven and all of that ROI focused a lot of it's just fluff and I think it comes down to just showing showing your goods and showing you know why people should work with you like I think Ryers do that so well you know they're you only got to look at any channels of themselves or their team members and you go and you go but yeah that's what they did that's the results they got yeah you know the the proofs in the pudding there um so I think you've got to, you've got to know how you want your agency to be um to to kind of decide what you're going to use as your kind of USP and what advice would you give for women who are you know thinking of they have a full-time job right now but they're really really keen to kind of start their own thing what advice would you give for them plan it out if you can I didn't and I wish that I had I, w- I wish I'd planned it a little bit more um than I did at the time I think take take stock and take time to know you know if you quit your job tomorrow what clients could you have is, is there anybody that you know that would be a client where you know where, where's your first um invoice going to come from so I think plan it but I also think you need to make sure that you you know know a bit of everything because not every client that comes to you might be in that specialism that you have um my dad always used to say to me that you should make sure that you're like you know enough so that you'd always be the last person out the door if anything went wrong at a company so I've always made sure that I don't just know SEO you know I I understand I can do PPC I know Amazon ads I know social advertising I know organic social and even within SEO you know it's not just tech that that can be done you know it's optimization it's link building it's this so I think if you go and go on your own and you're going to be that person that clients are talking to and you're that person that's bringing in sales you you need to know be quite broad in in, in where your knowledge lies and how do you go about upskilling yourself with these different things like I can imagine how busy you are in general how, how do you go about putting some time in to try to upskill when it comes to learning about things that potentially you didn't used to know before Sometimes you just have to do it. Um, so I always have like a test budget um, that we that we play with 
um, and and can use on uh, businesses that um, family members own, and they know what I'm, they know that kind of I'm putting the the budget up for it, and then you know we can learn new things. So you know, a few months when TikTok ads came out, you know we went in and started playing with those to learn what worked with them. Reading always helps. You know, there's there's content everywhere and finding you know the best resources for those information you know whether it's like SEJ or um, search engine land and sites like that for for some of your organic side of things um, blogs from agencies as well I think are really useful it's it's the people doing it that are kind of explaining how how to go there but I think that you learn best when you just get stuck in and do something and what's the best way you know are there any certain resources or I know you've mentioned a few just now, uh, but for anyone who's thinking of, you know, taking the jump and starting their own thing, anything you'd recommend? Ooh, t- I think definitely go to some events early on if you can. You know, obviously we've got the, the Women in Tech event next year. That is going to be a fab one for people to go to to meet like-minded people and actually a really safe environment and not feel judged. I think, you know, going to events like that and meeting other people who have done the same and find out what they wish they could have done differently or things that they got wrong um I, I remember I did that and I spoke to quite a few of people who had launched their own agencies um as I was just starting mine and kind of got some advice I don't think there's actually very many like articles about it that are truthful a lot of them show all the glossy side of it when the the truth is it's going to be really hard when you start you know, there's a lot of red tape you've got to go through and depending on what country you're in, the red tape's slightly different. Um, you know, things silly as getting your trademark sorted, um, you know, making sure you've got your accounts set up correctly, you're using zero, is that tied up right? There's all these little things that there's no, there's almost no big how-to guide um, to help you get there. You, you, you're going to make the mistakes, but as long as you learn from them, and then that's the main thing. Yeah, kind of sounds like there's a lot of learning as you go, right? Huge amount, yeah. And I think sometimes it, there's no one can teach you it either. You know, you know what direction you want to take things in. You, you're going to make mistakes. I made so many. <laughs> there's been times where I've like, even forgotten to send invoices to people early on. Oh, no. Stupid <laughs> things. Yeah, I know. And then it's that awkward, like, I'm really sorry. I should have said this like two months ago. <laughs> but then that got me into going okay well I need to make sure that all my invoices are automated and that you know on this date every month I'm checking that they've all gone out so you know you you, you you're gonna make mistakes but it's just learning where you went wrong and putting something in place to make sure you don't do it again yeah well I love that Laura and you know thank you for everything you've shared and thank you for just being super open and transparent with us um, how can people learn more about you? And if people want to reach out and get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, I'm occasionally on social um, at Laura Louise 90. Um, or if you if you want to know anything, it's probably, just drop me an email um, to laura at jellybeanagency.co.uk. Awesome. That sounds great. We'll make sure we add it as well to the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It was awesome having you. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks everyone for joining us. We're out with a new episode every Tuesday and we always chat with a brilliant woman on a new SEO topic. You can find us on all of the podcast platforms um, and you can learn more about us on womenintechseo.com. Thank you so much.